you know, it's pretty dumb for us to have somebody sign a contract to do a test drive. Let's just do them on verbals with an NDA. And suddenly our test drive flow rate went from 500 a year to 1,000 a year, it literally in one day. Welcome back to another episode of the Growth and Scaling Podcast. I'm so excited to have with us today, Mr. Chris Beal. Chris, will you tell us who you are and what do you do? Sure, Todd. So I'm the CEO of a company called Connect and Sell. I've been here, I've uh, been CEO for nine years and changed with the company since 2011. Uh, I don't know what a CEO does. I could explain it, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, CEO is kind of like a king on a chessboard, right? It can only move one move, one right. square in every direction. So it can't really do very much, but somehow it's important. So that's, I do CEO <laughs> stuff. And, um, you know, what, what the company does is super simple. We let a B2B salesperson push a button and talk to somebody on their target list in three or four minutes with no effort. So it eliminates all of the excuses for not having the conversations that let you build pipeline and drive business. Tell us about some of the challenges along the journey, because I, everyone seems to hear stories like this and think, wow, everything went perfect. This is so awesome. What didn't go perfect? Uh, well, I can't talk about some of them because, <laughs> okay. because I can't. Um, but imagine that you hired an imp the wrong person to bring in a velocity sales model at some point. And then yeah. that person hired a whole bunch of junior people, and then they produced 8% of quota. So imagine that. Wow, that, that, that sounds like oh. a very, very hypothetical thing. <laughs> yeah, you could imagine that. And then you'd kind of have to do a whole bunch of things, right? And <laughs> say you were doing that and burning venture money while you're doing it, that would be oh, boy. more problematic. And oh, then boy. say you parted ways with your VCs, and then you had no money. So say you woke up one day and it's like, hey, you're the CEO of Connect and Sell and you have $16,927 in the bank and you're burning $1.7 per month and you have no access to capital. <laughs> so those are, those could be in, in that's one's a imagination. Weird, that so, is a weird hypothetical. Yeah. I know. I mean, I, you know, I, I should have been a, a writer of fantasy or something. <laughs> but so... You know, what I've found is companies that are trying to do things that are really, really big, that require a lot of patience and being systematic, yeah. often have uh, odd drama in strange places, especially if they take money. So going yeah. through the process of untaking money and going bootstrapped was a real challenge. And then wow. what did you do? You know, what do you do from there? That's all tricky stuff, right? Um, so that's that's been part of it. Um, part of it is also... When you're running something this big with this many moving parts, yeah. there's a complex relationship between microscopic operational things and what goes on with customers. Right. So we've right. had a spate of outages recently that have been precipitated by the fact that we've actually worked to make the system more bombproof. It happens all the time. You go to engineer out a bunch of stuff and then right. you accidentally uncover something, right? I see. In this yeah. case, the something that was uncovered was the system got really fast at sucking up lists and somebody edited a list and it had 15 million contacts in it. Ooh. And this, you know, so there you are, right? So it's the, I compare Whoa. running Connect and Sell to being like, I don't know, have you ever, did you ever read, did you ever see Master and Commander with Russell Crowe? Great, yes, great the boat, the boat the one, boat, right? The boat, right. Okay. 
Yeah, the HMS Surprise, right? So I read all those books to my kids back in the day, Patrick cool. O'Brien's books. Running a company like this with deep operational complexity and lots of moving parts, hundreds yeah. of people are inside of the system making it go right. every day. Those people live and work overseas and across the U.S. Anything can happen at any moment. Right. And as the captain, you have to have an ear for what's just the normal creaking of the ship in the waves and sure. what's the sound of a mast giving way. Right. And it's a very different game. Um, it's, it makes being CEO kind of weird because, you know, normally as CEOs, we sit around and think big thoughts and go, yeah, here's the direction and let's go buy this company and whatever, right? We and sit around and just make big like, thoughts. Did yeah. we just hit a whale? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So those are some of the challenges. The, the biggest challenge has been just staying patient. We, right. we were convinced, always have been convinced that the human voice is at the center of B2B because yeah. B2B is all about trust. The buyer must trust a sure. seller more than they trust themselves. This Jolt sure. Effect book is really kind of about that, right? It's like, can you, what do you do when somebody is indecisive? Well, they've got to trust you more than they trust themselves because they don't trust themselves to make a decision. Right. So how do right. you get there, right? So we believe that that is the case. And we're on board with Chris Voss, who says you have seven seconds to get trust. So right. you kind of do that math and you go, well, where do you get seven seconds in a cold call? That's kind of it. That's, yeah. you, you know, you know, you have the seven seconds. Now you got to right. use them to build trust. Getting... Right that confidence to be operationalized every day that what we're doing is the thing that needs to be done. The fads, the sequencers, the thises, the, the, all of sure. the intent stuff. Um, yeah. Do I hate intent? No. Do I think running a business based on diving catches into red oceans makes sense? No. Does anybody talk about intent makes you dive into red oceans in order to compete with everybody else as the same intent signals? Right. No, but that's what happens. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, we kind of look at it like, look, all that's going on. It's hard to stay patient and just move forward and help the companies that kind of get it to dominate. But yeah, that's probably the hardest part of the whole thing. Hmm. Wow. Well, that is a hard thing. And honestly, those hypotheticals you described sound absolutely miserable. Uh, I, I, I thought for a second at the beginning of our conversation that you came in after all the problems happened. And that is clearly not the case. Do problems ever end in no. running a business? No. Okay. No. That's what I thought. All right. All right. No. So, so as you went through that transition from VC backing to bootstrapping and constricting everything you were doing into only necessary things to grow, is there something specific that you looked back on and say, okay, First thing to do when you lose funding or when you're really short is X. Oh, yeah. And then Y. Oh, yeah. What, what do you think those are? <clears throat> yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to have been through things like this a few times. Yeah. And so... Fortunate enough. Yes. Yeah. Right. I consider... I, I mean, experience <laughs> is valuable. It's just it painful, is. right? So It's painful. Immediately, and I mean immediately, immediately, I sat down with my CFO and I said, okay, give me how much everybody costs. Here's the salaries. And we sat at a bar actually and had a beer and talked about the following. Who is the number one person we can't do without? Ben, let's assume that person is on the team. Who is the person that 
compliments them that we can't do without that. We just right. made that list and the numbers added up and we got to the number of what we're getting in from our customers in terms of gross profit. And we right. just said, that's it. We stopped thinking. We didn't wow. do any, you know, well, what about this person? What about that person? It was just, right. a, it was a 52 minute process. Wow. It came up with a list of people and we just went to, you know, the, the legal side of the business and said, Next How Wednesday, do we this? the yeah. employees at the company will be these people and they won't be anybody else. Make it yeah. so. And it was hard. I mean, but. Oh, it's always hard. But, yeah. But what is the alternative? I mean, you for one thing, you let your customers down. They're depending on you. And another yeah. thing, what's the point of saying, hey, let's all stay around while the water gets up to our ankles and our calves and our knees. And then somebody yells out that that fin in the water seems to have teeth. And <laughs> let's just not do that. Right. So that's what ah, we did. I love this conversation so much. This is this is great advice, great great stories you've shared with us today. Uh, honestly, I, I do need to reconnect with you probably after this for for a second to really see what this is all about. But I love your business. I love what you've done with it. I love the story of how you've grown and scaled. I think it's very relevant for a lot of people listening. Help us understand your growth journey because, as you mentioned earlier to me in private. You are a finder, not a founder. You came into this business, not at the founding foundational point, but you came in and you've done amazing things with it since that point. Talk to us about the growth journey. Where did you find the company? Where did you envision it? And how have you brought it to where it is today? Sure. I found it because a former employee called me up and said, you got to look at my company. I looked at it and I said, do you know what the phrase wholly uninterested means? He pivoted quickly. <laughs> and suggested I meet with the CEO, who's this famous guy. Uh, I asked, is it that famous guy? And he said, yes. So I went to meet with him the next morning. He told me what the company was doing. And I said, uh, I'm in. And he's like, what if I'm not hiring? And I said, look, it's a free country. I'm working for you now. So <clears throat> that's how I found it. Uh, I, I joined it. as VP of products. And I was relatively kind of well-known at the time for building these really, really big global kind of, you know, impossible to build systems as a software guy. So cool. I took the thing apart, put it back together uh, while it's flying and it flies right, pretty right. fast. Of course. <laughs> and so Don't that we was all love that? <laughs> step one was prepare to scale. If, if there's no yeah. point in scaling a business where the, you know, the hull of the boat isn't going to support the, the speed of the ship, right? Love it. So love we it. did that first. That took two years. We got it over to the web. It was originally a product that was just on Windows. We got into a horizontal scale state using the salesforce.com scaling model, which is essentially, yeah. you know, horizontal. So that was thing number one. I think a lot of folks ignore that step and just go, well, sell, 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 sell. I knew this stuff could sell. Plus we had it to sell with. I mean, how right. often does your product help you have help you? Where it's crazy, right? I mean, so that was like, <laughs> this takes no thinking. So after right. that, it actually took no thinking. It was just like, get a team. Okay. We already had one, have them use our own product to talk to lots of people, refine the message. But then we had to figure out something really, really hard. And it was a right. friction reducer about your response to connect and sell. So your response right. initially was it's too good to be true, right? That was your right. initial response today, right? That's right. everybody's response. So it took us a little while. I sometimes feel like the slowest guy on earth to figure out we don't need to talk about this product. We just need to get somebody to try it, but not in right. a demo. 
So we turned off all demos, no showing of the product, and we instituted a thing called a, a, uh, an intensive, learn to speak, an intensive test drive. And the test okay. drive is a full day of full production use of Connect and Sell. It's like, come make money using this thing. And we wow. won't talk about it until that's happened. Because wow. no, it's not a question of too good to be true. It's like, right. who knows your experience. Look what we just did. Yeah. 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 So um, we found that about 39% of those converted to pilots and that our pilot conversions were about 61%. Ooh. And we nice. could just make a machine out of calling people and talking to them, asking them to take a meeting where in the meeting it's about, are you thinking about a test drive? As I say to folks all the time, from what you've said so far, my strong yeah. recommendation is you take our intensive test drive. It's a free full day of production. And yeah. afterwards, we'll know what we're talking about. We can have a discussion as to whether it makes sense to move forward. I love it's actually it. pretty simple, but it's friction, friction. All we've really done is we've never found a good channel. We've never found a way to identify our target market other than yeah. talking to them. So we're, and we've never found a way to get referenceability because we sell a weapon, not a tool and nobody yeah. references their weapons. So all the stuff I would advise others on, as I have through the years, we couldn't do. You didn't do. do. <laughs> we could, we're, we're structurally, like you can't get referrals yeah. or reference calls from people who are going, no, 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 I'm, I'm dominating my market with this thing. Go away, <laughs> right? right? So uh, we use a nail pounding brute force approach of direct sales and lots and lots of feedback loops. And we're always looking for friction to take out. Like it took all Love the it. way till I joined in 2011. We yeah. instituted the intensive test drive out of desperation with a company called Agilent, in fact, where I told the VP, I don't ever want to talk to you again after the third meeting. And she asked why. And I said, because I'll go to my grave still talking to you and we'll never do business. How about <laughs> if I jump on a plane and come out across, you know, one coast to the other? Right. And we'll just use it. Can you come up with one user and I'll have a customer right. success person join that right. user, that sales rep sold something within three minutes of pushing the button the first time in a <laughs> conference room full of executives who went bonkers, truly bonkers. Wow. I mean, like throwing wow. stuff bonkers. And I said, aha, no <laughs> more talk. All this. Well, okay. Fast forward, blah, 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 blah. I love and then it. We come, to, we come to February of this year and we finally go, you know, it's pretty dumb for us to have somebody sign a contract to do a test drive. Let's yeah. just do them on verbals with an NDA. And suddenly our test drive flow rate went from 500 a year to 1,000 a year, it literally in one day. Wow. So it's that sort of, you know, it's like there's love nothing it. smart in what we're doing. We're just trying That's to pay smart. some attention to it. Running a business, honestly, can leave a lot of founders and operators feeling lonely and isolated. If you have ever felt that way, trust me, I know what it feels like. And there is something you can do about it. You've heard a lot of our guests talk about the fact that being lonely and isolated is one of their biggest challenges in trying to run and scale their business. CaptainsCouncil.com. Go to CaptainsCouncil.com right now and see what we're doing to resolve this problem. We want you to be a strong operator who has solutions and has a way to get around the challenges you're currently facing. What most founders don't understand is that you're not alone. The challenges that you're facing, likely somebody else has already overcome and they can give you the feedback you need to overcome them. Who better than your peers, other founders, 
other operators who are joining with you in a small group setting, a global community setting, as well as at our in-person events to guide you through these challenges that you're facing right now. Don't give up, keep on pushing, but do it with some good advice from your peers. Go check it out at captainscouncil.com and let me know what you think about the offering. We can't wait to see you there. Well, I think I think the smart, the, ultimately, at the end of the day, your smartest decision was, what do we do to keep the friction out of them trying this dang product? Because once they try it, it's a done deal. One way or another. At least we know what we're talking about. Wow. Yeah. Love it. This is, this is awesome stuff. I, I think there's a lot of people listening to the show who have a business that's in a similar position. In fact, I just got off a call 10 minutes before we hopped on this with a company very similar that needs to do exactly what you just described. So thank you ahead of time for the uh, awesome advice. But listen, I, I think that you have got something going here that's, that's completely scalable, that's still relevant. Uh, a lot of people, like you said about email, say the same thing about outbound dialing. Yeah. But I, I, I tend to think that you are still in a very viable position and I think that human connection through voice is so much more effective than almost any other means other than just being in their face, talking to them in person. Right. What are you actually doing? I mean, are you preloading leads? Are you, do you have a massive ultra dialer going on? What, what are you doing with that? Yeah, it's kind of both. So we load your leads. They, okay. they come from you okay. and they come out of your CRM or out of your sequencer. You know, everybody's using these sequencers nowadays because they think if you pound somebody in a tricky way with email, eventually they'll be dumb enough to open your email and then you got them. <laughs> I think the evidence is to the contrary, but what can I say? And um, so, you know, we believe that an email, like 5,000 bits of information isn't enough to get trust. Nobody's going to read the damn thing anyway. Right. Whereas a conversation, you get 20,000 bits a second into somebody's midbrain Interesting. directly into their emotional centers. And if you're skilled and you got the, you know, you got the goods, then you have a shot. So the way we go about it is we load your list, you take a deep breath and you hit a button that says sell. And usually it, your heart rate's quite high. My wife calls it the greatest weight loss program in the world. And she tried it. She's, she's a very, very senior seller to put it modestly, you know, multi-billion dollar quota carrier. And she said, oh my God, that was crazy stuff. And it's like, yeah, you just agreed to ambush yourself in a live conversation with somebody. So, right. you know, it gets you going. And then uh, what goes on in your world as a rep, you push a button, you wait, and then bloop, and somebody's on the, right. on the screen and on the phone at the same time. And you do nothing, right? It's effortless. On the other side, what's going on is in the, in the beast, there's a whole bunch of things. So there's automated dialing happening. Okay. The dialing is happening in parallel. We have human beings who are navigating most of the dials, in some cases, all of the dials. That means they'll navigate IVR trees, right. they'll talk to uh, gatekeepers, they'll hang up on voicemail, or if you're right. crazy, they'll leave the voicemail that you've recorded. So all this stuff's going on. So it's really a brute force attack okay. on the problem that phone answering runs right now among decision makers at about one answer per 20 dials. Then we also take all of your data, and instead of just kind of dumbly dialing it in the order you gave it to right. us, we reorder it. So at the very next dial is always to the person who's most likely to answer and always on the phone number, they most likely answer the one they're proven to answer right. because we have data from hundreds of millions of dials. We do this about 53 million times a year. Wow. 
we connect about 3.3 million sales conversations. Wow. All B2B. Nuts. So you're saying that if I've got a list that I upload and I say, let's dial this list, you're going to already have likely best contact info for that lead given the list that I just gave it a load. Yeah, yeah. And we'll know how good it is. So we score 10 million contact phone numbers per night and they're scored from kind of minus infinity to infinity. So okay. if you, somebody doesn't answer, they go down a little bit. If they do answer, they go up a bigger bit. If they take a meeting, they go up more. If we get from their voicemail greeting that it's them, then they go up a little bit because we know it's them, blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah. We're told by a gatekeeper, you know, Todd doesn't work here anymore. <laughs> well, you go down a lot. And uh, so, you know, every day things change. So we just score all these phone numbers. Right. And then we pick the best one that you provide us out of the list. And we're about to add something that will actually go out and get the best one. There's a product called List Enrich we're about to put out in the street. Wow. That you'll just load a list into it and it'll go. You can load like first name, last name, Chris Beal, connect and sell. And it'll go out and find wow. the number that I'm most likely to answer on based on actual facts, true behavior. Nuts. Nuts. All right. That scares me a little bit. Feels good on the other bit. How are you how are you combating the scam likely and things like that on your outbounds? We own 10,000 good phone numbers and we don't use them very heavily. Smart. That's a there lot of registration right there. I, I know what it takes to register a number like that. You've done a lot of work. Yeah, and we keep track of all of them too. So they're all under some, you know, appropriate, I'll call it spam surveillance. Yeah. So if they show any signs of wavering, we'll pull them out and uh either throw them away or rehabilitate them or replace them. So I ran a call center for about uh, 10 years offshore. And my question for you is, how big of a company do you need to be to run a program like this? Because I know that when doing predictive dialing of any sort, if there's not multiple people running the campaign with you, it sometimes can backfire because you may have five people connect at one time and it, and it, makes it awkward for the person that just received the call. How do you combat that? What is your product doing to kind of alleviate that problem? Is it the IVR it's, routing? It's a whole bunch of stuff. But the main thing is all the dialing is being done out of centralized servers in the Google Cloud. Right. So these things are good to the millisecond level. Actually, they're good to the microsecond level with regard to figuring out who answered first. Right. So at the same time, kind of doesn't happen because it can't. Right. But then there's the question of, does anybody ever answer and there's dead air? And the answer is yes, very, very rarely. Right. So we do about 200,000 dials a day and about three or four of them that will happen. Not enough to make any difference. It's you know, way below threshold of materiality. What we're not doing is trying to find a person to have that conversation. So predictive dialers, you have a pool of talkers, right. a pool of agents right. that are yours. And then the call gets connected and the system goes and searches for somebody available. Right. If you have a small pool, then you get long lead times sure. and you have statistical variability and all sorts of stuff, right? Our system works like this. You are the sales rep. You push the button. You're in control of getting the next conversation. Cool. The conversation comes onto your computer I and see. into your ear. I see. No one else. So it's very different okay. from a predictive number. Okay. I just, I just had a light bulb click. Okay. That, that's very cool. Very cool product. And, and who's your avatar? Like, who's your ideal client? Any B2B or are there specific niches that you go after? Well, it's kind of funny. Who we go after and who we end up with are often <laughs> like different. Okay. Right? We talk to, 
my, my team talked to 106,000 VPs of sales last year. Wow. So we take a reasonably horizontal approach, partially because there's a get it factor. If you have no cold calling in your veins, yeah, yeah. you probably aren't going to think no. that having it done a lot faster is, cool. is a good thing. You probably <laughs> think that's a terrible thing. Right. And so we have to ascertain that in a conversation, right? So we just have lots of conversations. Awesome. And that's fine. I mean, the, the perfect avatar, however, is a company that has an SMB target list yeah. that is important to them and ever-changing. So while we have some folks who use Connect and Sell to penetrate big enterprises, yeah. and by the way, the folks selling the SMBs, are, it's completely counterintuitive who's doing that. The obvious is Intuit. Okay, so Intuit does it. Why do they do it? Oh, that's obvious, right? <laughs> QuickBooks Online, right, right. To, you know, 10 million SMB customers, they use Connect and Sell. They set 772 meetings yesterday. Wow. Got it. Right. So that's that's what I'll call uh, just normal, normal down the middle. Yeah. Uh, then you get the SAP concurs of the world. They're selling travel and expense and AP invoicing to this huge market of SMBs. Right. OK, great. It's obvious. Would it be obvious that a company like Blue Flame Minerals out of Texas, when I met them, they had one guy, the founder. Right. He's calling ranchers and farmers to find out if they want to sell their mineral rights. Right. Well, under their, under their land, right? We want to drill for oil, but yep. you got to drill somewhere. Who knows if anything's down there, but you got to get them to sell it first. Totally. And that's one guy, right? It's still a, a numerically pretty large market. Now, he did so well, he had to go raise like 50-something million dollars after a few months because it's like, I, I got to turn off Connect and Sell. <laughs> We're indifferent toward what I'll call the commercial viability or that element of a deal. What we want is, does somebody get it that going conversation first is a way to dominate markets? We're in the, you know, we partner with you to dominate markets. You have the goods, you have the will. We'll provide the conversations. We'll help you with messaging. We'll train your people. If you got people, if you want to train, we run this thing called flight school and train them. And then you can go dominate a market. I'm, that's kind of. Uh, I'm a little bit. About. I'm a little bit embarrassed. You know, I got to say, Chris, because I feel like this conversation is a sales pitch to me, and I'm about ready to sign up. So this is this is a really cool product. <laughs> Don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> all right, all right. So so here's the deal. So this product is amazing. Your avatar is right on. I, I think that you bring a lot of valid points. I will disagree a little bit in the effectiveness of email. I believe it or not, I still believe that email is effective in some cases, but there is no doubt in my mind that that dialing always pays off. I, I don't see anybody's outbound campaigns working without an element of outbound dialing. And so I think it's fantastic. Is there someone that you've had in your in your back pocket that has helped you through some of these trials and, and kind of been that stalwart example of, hey, you can just Keep on going with this. Who is that person? I want to give them a quick shout out. Well, it's my physics teacher from high school. I was going to be a high school physics teacher. Wow. And I student taught under her for, oh, I think it was a whole year. It was a ridiculous and fun amount of teaching. And her thing was like, you go do it. It actually reminds me of my wife. My wife wrote a book called Love Your Team a survival guide for sales managers in a hybrid world. And because I watched her manage and I said, what you do is weird. And she goes, no, it's not. I said, yes, it's weird. What you do is you just give it to the team and empower them and support them in doing their job. And you never dive in. Right. You understand, but you never, you know, you're not the best. Right. You could be the note taker. You could. But, so what, 
what she did is just threw me in the water and said, teach. And if you want to really, you know, light yourself on fire someday, right. go teach high school physics to a bunch of really smart seniors and get six sections of it in the first day with no prep. <laughs> and then you have the next day and the next day and the next day. So at the I end of it. all this, she was going to retire. She was out. Yeah. And it was a conspiracy. So I was going to come in. And she took me aside on the second of the last day. And she said, I don't want you to do this. Yeah. And I'm like, Mrs. Wilcox, actually, she was Carrie to me at the time. Carrie, what up? And she goes, look, I have a list of all of my students and I score them on entrepreneurial characteristics. <laughs> and I said, what do you do class. that? And she says, well, I'm an angel investor. And I said, well, like, is that a good business investing in angels? I didn't even know there was like a market for them. <laughs> She says, no, no, no. I invest in my former students. And this is why I can afford this nice house out there and care for you. No way. Oh, That's hilarious. Okay. So you have inside information, but legally, why are you telling me this? And she says, you're at the top of the list. I want you to go start companies. No way. So she booted me out of the nest and kind of made me go do what I do today. I love that story. That is fantastic. Um, <laughs> seriously, I don't, I don't think anyone's topped that one. That is awesome. Bless her heart. And, and she, she definitely picked it right. You've been an amazing, you have an amazing, uh, resume on LinkedIn. And I just appreciate your stories. I appreciate you being here with us today. Honestly, we've got an amazing group of listeners. We've got an amazing, um, audience we're targeting and stories like this really do help other people feel like they're not so alone and they've got someone who's been through that before. And sometimes that's all it takes to get through the challenges that we face. So thank you. You bet. You bet. I, I call this job the, the Lonely Minds Club. Yes. You don't get to have a heart, even though you have one, and your mind is going to be alone. So I, you know, I highly advise anybody doing this kind of stuff, do what you can to alleviate the loneliness by talking to other people in the Lonely Minds Club. Love it. I love it. Fantastic. Well, thanks again so much, Chris. We appreciate you being here and we look forward to catching up with the rest of you on the next episode. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Todd. Hey, I hope you liked that. I thought it was just a, a, an amazing interview. What a fun guy. What a fun company. And to be totally honest with you, I just loved the passion that he had for what he does. I love the technology that he uses to do it. Um, having been in the dialer game for a long time, He's developed something awesome and it's really cool. And, and I'm telling you, the phone system has not gone dead. If you're not using outbound calling in your sales operations, you need to rethink that. You honestly need to rethink that. So I hope you enjoyed this interview. Leave comments with questions. We want to help bring you the best guests that we can to provide a lot of value to you as you're trying to grow and scale your business. So thanks so much for being here. Like, share, subscribe, send it to anybody that needs to hear it. And we look forward to catching you on the next episode.